0: Okay, another edition of the Blue White Breakdown, Penn Lives Penn State Football Podcast is upon us. I'm Bob Flounders, joined by Greg Pickle, um, as usual. Greg, I think Dave and I are going to do one, Dave Jones and I are going to do one next week while you're on vacay. I'm excited about that. I haven't had a chance to chew the fat with Dave about Penn State football. uh, So hopefully we'll do that next week. But let's turn our attention, Greg, to some news involving. Penn State Nittany Lions, and let's start with this, Greg. They they got they they got another recruit. They lost out on a transfer portal quarterback. I think the fan base is interested in both of those, but we'll just just to stay positive, Greg. First of all, I hope you're doing well. But just to stay positive, Greg, why don't we talk about the class of 2022 punter? I believe it's Alex Bacchetta. I hope that I have that right. If not, you'll correct me. Uh, recently verbaled to Penn State's 2022 class. They're looking at 11 kids, 11 verbals. Greg, how are you doing? And what can you tell me about this punter?
1: I'm doing well, Bob. It's good to be back with you again this week. And yes, I think Bachetta sounds good. One of the great parts about the... uh, you know, the pandemic recruiting stuff is that we've missed out on so many opportunities to go meet these guys and learn how to properly pronounce their names. So if not, somebody will let us know and we'll get it right next week. But yeah, I guess the main takeaway for me is that Penn State's really uh, made it the focus in the James Franklin era to get scholarship uh, punters and kickers. You know, it brings in Sanders Sehadek from the, your neck of the woods the Lehigh Valley in this most recent signing class. The class of 2021, he's a guy who could compete right away. They wasted no time getting Jordan Stout out of the transfer portal a couple of years ago. They signed Jake Pinninger. Uh They had a guy named Alex Barbier who was only here for a short while, right. but he was a scholarship option. So they have definitely made it the concerted uh, pr- focus and priority to get guys on scholarship at these positions. And it makes a lot of sense. You know, how many games come down to uh, you know, poor punts or conversely good punts and the same thing with obviously field goal kicking. So uh, it makes a lot of sense to go and get him number one punter according to Cole's uh, kicking and a number seven, I believe uh field goal pl- uh, placement kicker. So he can do a little bit of everything. He's from Georgia. Uh, I, I want to say he's in uh, Blake Gilligan's neck of the woods down there, um, who's obviously another scholarship guy that they had here. So, yeah, this is not uh, anything new for Penn State in terms of what focus they've you know, the focus they've made on bringing guys in uh, in Joe Lord's room who are on scholarship. And when they decide they want a guy, Bob, they seem to get him at this, uh, you know, punter and kicker spots more often than not.
0: Yeah. Uh, reading your story uh, this morning, it looked like he was also uh, getting – uh, some offers from Arkansas and Virginia, but he went with Penn State. And so, Greg, he can do both, but it sounds like he's primarily uh, valued for his ability to punt the ball. Is Sanders Sahadek more of a place kicker, or is he a guy that can do both uh, in the vein of Jordan Stout?
1: Yeah, I think with Sahadek, he can probably do both. But, you know, James Franklin has long had this idea of not wanting someone to do all three things. And we saw with Jordan Stout this year that he had probably had a point there. I mean, I think Jordan Stout maybe was okay in all three areas, but not great in one of them. Right. Uh, you know, so I I think that with Sahedic, you probably want to get him here. I think first you want to figure out what is the best thing for Jordan Stout to do, what is the best thing for Jake Pinniger to do, and then see where Sahedic slots in for there. To me, he's probably more of a kicker than a punter, um, but I can definitely do both. And if you can get stout dialed in as the kick, the punter, and the uh, long field goal guy, and you get Pinniger for everything inside of 50 or 48 or whatever it is. Yeah. And then maybe you have Sahedik kick off, or you have Pinniger kick off. You know, I think that. Uh, Penn State's going to try and find a way to share those responsibilities this year as opposed to what it did last year, of course, which was, you know, give Stout more uh, more to do and maybe it didn't go exactly as planned. So I was always a guy who thought, why can't they do all three? But I think maybe last year we saw why uh, that's not the case.
0: Yeah. And Jordan Stout, his his best value might just be as a kickoff specialist. I mean, he really is good at, um, you know, pretty much eliminating the uh, opponent's kick return game with uh, what he's been able to do the last two years, but he might be overextended a little. Um, He was, if you look at his average punting, uh, punting average last year, it doesn't, it's not, it's certainly not bad, but there were some games where maybe there were some line drives and some, and some kicks that weren't particularly pretty. And he was, I would agree with you. I think he was a little bit inconsistent. We'll see uh, if he can write the ship as the punter this year, Bethlehem Liberty, Greg, I know you referenced it. I went to Bethlehem Freedom. They were our arch rivals growing up, so I'm well versed on the Lehigh Valley and Sanders Sahadak. Looking forward to seeing what he can do uh, for Penn State. Greg, one player we're not going to get a look at uh, in a Penn State uniform, Greg, but we might see him this year on Penn State's schedule is transfer portal quarterback, coveted transfer portal quarterback, TJ Finley who is now aligned with the Auburn Tigers, formerly of the LSU program, Uh, but he made his decision. We talked, I think, on last week's uh, podcast, or maybe the one before that, that maybe Penn State was going to be in the running or in his top three. But I think you expressed a little bit of uh, skepticism that he would actually come all the way up north. Greg, just your thoughts on how good this player is, number one. Auburn has a, a returning starter, a quarterback. Auburn and Penn State play in week three at Beaver Stadium. I believe it's August, or September 18th. Uh, they have, I think his name's Bo Nix, is coming back. He didn't have a great year last year. I'm sure T.J. Finley's not going to Auburn to automatically sit. But your thoughts on that, and I guess the bigger picture, Greg, is that Penn State has not really been able to upgrade its quarterback room since the end of spring practice. I don't think it was for a lack of trying, but here we are. We're almost in June, and Penn State's quarterback room is looking like Sean Clifford, followed by Taquan Roberson, and then Christian Bayou, the January enrollee. Neither Roberson or Bayou have any game experience, so if anything happens to Sean Clifford, I think, you know, with Will Levis transferring to Kentucky, it remains a significant issue, And you just wonder if maybe they're just going to have to go with what they got, maybe going into the fall.
1: Yeah, it feels like that might be the case, Bob. I just don't know who they're going to find between now and August. You know, we're almost to June. Uh, guys who were going to leave after spring practice have probably already done so if they were going to. So I just don't know who you're going to find. You know, do you maybe take, do you find somebody in a Juco or something like that just to maybe give you another arm in there, give you one more uh, person with game experience? I wouldn't rule that out. But I mean, I just don't necessarily see where Penn State's going to find all of a sudden somebody who. Yeah. Wants to come play quarterback for them that they want to have come play quarterback for them. So with Finley, I mean, yeah, I look at Auburn in a very similar way to Penn State. You have Bo Nix back. You have some other guys on the roster who haven't played a ton. Uh, Bo Nix was statistically uh, in some way is very similar to Sean Clifford. So I don't think that job is automatically his and Penn state's problem here was that his finalists were Houston, Alabama, Auburn, and Penn state. And one of those is not like the other in terms of the part of the country that they're in. So I, I think if Penn state was in a situation where it was up against other Northeast or Northern, or maybe even Midwest teams that it probably would have landed TJ Finley. But the fact that he is from Louisiana, he's played and lived his whole life in the South and Auburn had a situation similar to Penn state. So I think he figured, you know what, this is the best option for me, even if Penn state has similar depth chart. So yeah, I guess the good news is, is that Obviously, Penn State staff spent plenty of time scouting him before deciding to get involved (laughs) with his recruitment. So if he is Auburn's starting quarterback, you know, they're going to have a little bit of a head start on – his game and what he likes to do but we'll see obviously uh, same with Sean Clifford if TJ Finley came here Bo Nix isn't going to just say huh yeah job's yours uh and conversely he's just not going to walk in uh with a track record that's so good that he must be the starter immediately so we'll see but yeah obviously it's not ideal in a sense that a guy who you wanted to come play for you you now might have to play against him back-to-back years
0: Yeah. And, you know, one other thing that James Franklin likes to reference is when he recruits kids or he adds kids from the portal is they have to be the right fit at Penn State. And I think what he's really talking about is I don't think Penn State, uh, James and his staff like to just take like just want to add a kid just based on his talent. I think they really genuinely want to get to know the kid. They want to get to know his past. They want to get to know some people around him and see if like how he's going to fit in. You know, to the program to the quarterback room. You know, they he talked, James talked about that with some of the transfer uh portal additions this year. Um, Dukes, Derek, Tangelo, the uh the defensive tackle, Temples, Arnold, ebakiti I'm starting to finally get that right, Greg. I'm pretty excited. But the all along in the spring, they whether it was the position coach or James, it, they had to they had to be the right fit to add them. So uh, you know as we get into June, it's real, I think it'd be really hard to maybe even establish a relationship with the transfer portal kid now, you know, and, and feel good about adding him with an eye towards him, maybe possibly uh, providing key depth uh, in 2021. So, so as much as I think they tried, Greg, I I just wonder if maybe they're just going to have to go with what they got. And they, maybe they do feel good about Taquan Roberson. You know, we're, we only saw a couple of scrimmages. He ran a little hot and cold, but Um, it's starting to look more and more like he's going to have to be the guy. They, they, they get ready to play in case anything, anything happens to Sean, but we'll see every time we start, every time we do this, Greg, you know, 12 hours later, they're, they're adding a player or they're adding a quarterback and we just look goofier than usual. So we'll see, you can never say never with James as the recruiter, but you know, when Finley, when Finley decided to go to Auburn, I, I don't know how many more options They have Greg. We're about halfway through this blue-white breakdown podcast. We're going to turn our attention to the schedule and some early point spreads in the second half of our podcast. Bob Flounder's here with Greg Pickle. But Greg, you just know the listeners uh, and the viewers want to rate, review, give us thumbs up, and they also want to know where they can find this thing as early as possible. So why don't you give them a heads up on where? Uh, you can find Live's Blue White Breakdown podcast.
1: You nailed it, Bob. It is the Blue White Breakdown podcast. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, where you find podcasts, you'll find us. Anywhere you get your audio, the Blue White Breakdown can be found. The video's over at youtube.com slash all State. Like, rate, subscribe, lead some feedback. Let us know what you want us to talk about, what kind of things you want us to get into this summer, and uh, we'll see what we can do on future episodes.
0: Yep, Greg, let's take a quick look We'll, we'll be doing this probably on more than one podcast, but let's just took we, it's it's start as we get closer to June. I think people are starting to really kind of start to look at Penn state season, maybe their schedule, a lot of early top 25 projections are coming out. I think most of the projections, Greg have Penn state somewhere in the back end of the top 25 in some way, shape or form. Unlike last year, where they were viewed as a top 10 team, but a lot changed then, Greg. In addition to the pandemic, Micah Parsons opted out. Journey Brown never played another down after the 2019 season due to a medical issue. And he won't play football again. Noah Kane got hurt after three carries. So, you know, the perception of Penn State changed, I think, pretty click uh, pretty quickly. And I don't, maybe the top 10, probably, once all those things happened, just wasn't realistic. But Greg assuming they are, uh, in, in top 25 consideration, when you look at their schedule, I just did something, uh, over the last week or so, just looking at the teams, uh, they're playing and how they kind of fared in spring, who they have back, whether any significant changes, I think it's a pretty challenging schedule, especially the, the first two thirds of it, you know, 12 games, you know, the first eight, there's some real landmines in there. Um, things I think get a little easier, um, in the final third of the season, which is essentially um, November, but Penn State's got to get there. You know, by the time they got to the easier part of their schedule last year, Greg, they're zero five. So when you look, just your thoughts. We're going to talk about some early point spreads that are out. But do you feel like it, it's the first three games that um, are the most challenging, or is it that uh, October run where Penn State's got to play Indiana? I think at Iowa and then at later, later in the month, they got to go to Ohio state, which to you is the more significant uh, challenge.
1: Yeah. I mean, to me, Bob, it has to be the start. And I only say that because of what we saw last year. And I know it was a weird season with a weird preseason and a weirder off season before that. But I just have a hard time looking at it and thinking that, you know Penn State can survive that stretch in October, but it has to survive that September one before yeah. it to mean as much as it possibly can. And you have to go to Wisconsin. Then you get Auburn here with a new coach, possibly a new quarterback. I mean, they're going to be fired up to come into Beaver Stadium and and play for an upset. And you know Ball State every week, which feels like we talk about it, but they're getting as much hype as I've seen a Group of Five team get yeah. in quite some time. So. You know, they're not going to come to Penn State worried about being from the MAC, being from the group of five and all of that. So to me, it's that stretch. But you're right. That October one's pretty brutal, too. I mean, Indiana obviously is coming off one of its better seasons and it gets plenty of guys back Uh, going to Iowa is never fun. And then, you know, you mentioned uh, Ohio State. Obviously, that's a a trek that has not been kind to Penn State. Uh, really ever, but certainly in the James Franklin era. So, yeah, that's a brutal one, too. But, you know, for that to be the highlight that everybody wants it to be in that middle part of the season, you got to get through the first month with a loss at absolute most. And, obviously, you'd prefer to be undefeated. But it's a tall task, no question. And Wisconsin going on the road there, first road trip for Mike Yersuch in this new offense. Obviously, Penn State's going to have some fresh faces on defense. I have not seen the Badgers come out and say that they're going to have 100% capacity, but something tells me everyone's going to by the time September gets here. So we'll see. But, you know, I do think that, that that's definitely the the one that stands out. But they're two cruel three-game stretches. Either way, you slice it.
0: Yes, uh, agreed, agreed. And I, I, just, I'm, I was just trying to do the math in my head. I'm pretty sure the last time Penn State beat Ohio State, in columbus was 2011 so if that's true uh don't don't hold me to it, penn state fans but i think that's right because i know when billy o'brien was here he was only here two years they lost badly out at ohio state in 2013 i think it was the 2011 season uh right before i think urban meyer took over in 2012 that was the last time penn state won in the horseshoe in columbus maybe they can do it this year but It's definitely, it's definitely a tall task. You're right about ball state. Um, They got essentially their whole team back from a, from a 2020 season. I think they went seven and one, they won a bowl game. They won the Mac championship. So you have to respect them. Um, Our colleague, Dave Jones uh, recently uh, put up a post. I think it was late last week about some Penn state point spreads that are out early via South point casino. I think out in Las Vegas, he had five games with early lines, and I think they're pretty fascinating lines. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at them, but we'll take them. Let's just take them one by one, and you can see you half you're, you're a bit of a gambler, Greg. I don't know if people know that about you, so you're probably going to be paying attention to this at some point. So the first game they have a line out for – uh, and we'll just bust through this real quick, but you tell me whether or not you think that line's right or you think maybe you're going to see some movement on that line. So Penn State, Wisconsin, you talked about it. Season opening game. Uh, Mike, you new offense. Penn State getting three on the road against the Badgers.
1: Well, so we always say three for home field advantage. I think Camp Randall, Labor Day weekend, the first time with a crowd back. That should almost be four or five points, I think. So this is calling about a pick'em game if it was at a neutral site, which yeah. interests me. I thought Penn State, just based off everything last year, might be getting closer to a touchdown. Um, but at the same time, when you look at Wisconsin, they're beatable for sure. So uh, the line is certainly fair, even if I thought it would be a little bit higher at the Open.
0: Yeah, that's the September 4th game. A couple notes about the Badgers. Their season was really impacted by COVID. They had a couple of shutdowns. They didn't play very many games. They started 2-0. Uh, and then the quarterback, Graham Mertz, I think hurt his shoulder and also had COVID. And they just weren't the same. They lost some real defensive-minded games, I think, to Indiana and Northwestern. Uh, they won their bowl game. But they, they have a lot of players coming back. The other note is I think uh, Paul Christ, after a year off, is going to be the play caller again this year. So I would look for their offense to be a little bit different. That line feels a little light to me too. I think you're right, Greg. I don't see how you would make Penn State a favorite in this game. You know, I think my line might be a little bit higher than uh, Wisconsin minus three. I'm with you. I think it's probably another point or two, but who knows? We're wrong a lot. All right. No line on Ball State. Auburn at Penn State. Penn State minus three and a half.
1: Yeah, I thought this was about right. I mean, again, I think. This would be the second crowd at Beaver Stadium of the year and possibly the whiteout game. So, I mean, you're yeah, talking four or five points at, at home field advantage. That makes it about roughly a pick them if it was a neutral site. And I think that's fair. I think both of these teams return some talent. They both have uh, some new coaches. Obviously, Auburn's the one with the new head coach, uh, and they have a transfer quarterback in there now. So, I think that line's about right at this point in time. I think it'll move based on some things that happened during summer camp. Camp and obviously the yeah. first couple of weeks of the season, but I think right now that's spot on. Yep,
0: yep. 730 kick, assuming that most of the fans are allowed. I mean, most of the most of the stadium seats are full. It'll be a tough atmosphere for an Auburn team breaking in a new coach. I think his name's Brian Harzan, coached at Boise. The Gus Malzahn era is over at Auburn. So we'll see how different they look. Whenever you have a new coach, you have to be a little wary of what exactly you're going to see uh, from a team. And that might be a tough scouting deal. For Penn State's coaching staff let's move it along to the Iowa game Penn State at Iowa it's in October Penn State getting one at Iowa these two teams played last year at Beaver Stadium uh you know that was the game that Will Levis started uh Sean Sean Clifford just had not been playing well they got an early they, they got an early small lead in that game but uh, Iowa I just thought took that game over at the line of scrimmage I think they won by three touchdowns that defensive lineman had like an 80-yard interception return to seal it. Um, Penn State, it's it's been a different game, though, out at Iowa. Penn State getting one. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I thought it showed some respect to Penn State and what James Franklin has done. I thought this line was probably closer to a field goal at open, Um, and maybe it ends up there. Who knows? We'll see. You know, I'm not overly uh, high on Iowa this year. I mean, I think that they have the potential to be a really solid team, but I don't know if I see it yet. So I think that's why this line is where it's at. It seems like when they were picking games of the year, Bob, they tried to pick as many of the possible marquee primetime games as possible, but this one requires some guesswork. So to keep it right around a pick, I think makes uh, plenty of sense.
0: Yeah. And Penn state's comfortable or they've been comfortable at Kinnick stadium. Uh, the two road trips they've made during, during James Franklin's during James Franklin's time, They've won both games. There was the memorable 2017 game where Saquon Barkley went off and they won on the final play. McSorley to Jawan Johnson uh, to win that game. I think it was 21-19. And then in 2019, they won 17-12, a defensive battle, that Noah Kane had a 100-yard game. Um, they've won the last three out in Iowa City. I know that every year is different, but at the very least, it seems like Penn State, for whatever reason, when they put the white uniforms on and they go to Iowa City, it is a brutal road trip, but um, they've they, they've been defensive minded games. That Penn State fared very well. We'll move this along a little bit, Greg. There's two games left. I wanted to talk to you about. I'll lump them together. Penn State at Ohio State obviously is going to have a spread on it. Penn State's getting 12 early. That tends to shoot up once people get a little bit more familiar with maybe Ohio State's younger players. They've got to They got to find a quarterback to replace Justin Fields. They lost a lot of talent. They always do, but I. My memory of this line is whatever it is in the summer, it usually goes up in Ohio State's favor. So Penn State plus 12 and the Michigan-Penn State game at Beaver Stadium this year, I think it's in November, Penn State by a touchdown, Penn State minus seven. Either one of those lines jump out to you.
1: Not really. I mean, I think Michigan's still looking for its quarterback and assume everyone assumes it's going to be the five star. We'll see what he looks like in September and October before we get to November. Ohio State has plenty of questions. The good news for them, though, is that they have plenty of players with which to answer those questions and obviously a world class coaching staff. So I thought 10 to 14 for Ohio State was a fair number. You're right. It's going to go up. I thought the Michigan line was maybe a little bit high. I was thinking maybe in the four to six range. But again, whoever plays the home game in that series tends to dominate. So yeah. to lift Penn State at a touchdown, I think you'll probably get plenty of Michigan money on that a little early. But, you know, it's not out of the question to think the team in the that's the home team will win that game every year by 10 to 14 points. So uh, I would say it's a good number for the betting public.
0: Yeah, and this is, I think – this if James Franklin's in his eighth year, this means Jim Harbaugh's in his seventh, and Greg, you know, real, I know they had a real good year his first year, but they just never really had the answer or the difference maker at quarterback. and it's just kind of plagued him. Their offenses have gone from methodical to a little bit more fast paced. I saw where Penn State, former Penn State assistant Josh Gaddis just got, I think, an extension, extension and a raise as the OC, but if they don't start winning some games, and you know, you know, it's not Michigan can't go through the Big Ten season. You know, if you're playing nine games and going, you know, six and three or five and four, and then just getting poleaxed by Ohio State, I mean, something's going to give. And uh, I know that I know that they kind of extended Harbaugh, Greg, but this could be one of those games. If you really think about it, late in the year, if if Michigan doesn't start to look a little bit more like Michigan, and Penn State beats them pretty decisively, it could be one of the last straws. For, for Michigan's administration. So this could be a big picture game as well.
1: Yeah, Bob, it actually absolutely could. They gave Josh Gaddis a contract extension recently. So all the eggs are in the basket of the uh, hardball Gaddis conglomerate uh, <laughs> to figure out this Michigan offense. It certainly has struggled uh, plenty over the last few years.
0: Yeah. So that's a wrap. I think on this edition of the blue white breakdown, he is Greg Pickle I'm Bob Flounders. It's, uh, Penn Lives Penn State Football Podcast. Please check it out. I hope to be back with Dave Brown, uh, Dave, Dave, Brown Dave Jones next week. Greg, you've got a well-deserved vacation coming up uh, on the heels of Memorial Day weekend. I can't even imagine what kind of trouble you and Lola, the Golden Retriever, are going to get into. But I'm sure it's going to be fun. Anyway, check out our podcast. Check out Dustin Hockett's Miss Daily Podcast. Uh, great stuff. Uh, the 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 offseason, Greg, it started, now that we're – Now that we're almost into June, you know, before you know it, we're going to be real close to the start uh, of August camp. So I'm excited. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Enjoy the time off. You deserved it. And the rest of the fan base have a safe and wild, if that's possible, a safe and wild Memorial Day weekend.